0: Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday, September 17th. Today, back in the day, September 17th, 1849, Harriet Tubman escaped slavery. She escaped with two of her brothers for the first time, but fear caused them to turn back. Harriet quickly escaped again on her own to Philadelphia. Soon after, she returned to Maryland to rescue her family. Eventually she would help around 70 people escape slavery through the Underground Railroad, a network of safe houses and abolitionists. She was a devout abolitionist, collaborated with John Brown, and later in life she also supported the fight for women's suffrage. And today, back in the day, September 17, 1935, writer and counter-culture icon Ken Kesey was born. The author of One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, he wrestled at U of O, was a member of the Beta-Theta-Pi fraternity, as were his sons. He ended up living in Lane County, Oregon later in life. He was well known for hosting acid test parties with his friends and fellow artists, the Merry Pranksters. They would combine psychedelic drugs with multimedia performance and art. The Merry Pranksters became icons for the emerging counterculture in the 1960s. Kesey later taught English and creative writing at the U of O for many years. I had a chance to meet him when I was a student at a book signing. One of his famous quotes aimed at putting individual differences aside and working as a group, an attuned group, you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Today we'll start with the Quick 6 News headlines, and we'll have part one of our census interview from Morgan Jones from partner station The Numbers with Carlos and Ray from We Count Oregon. X-Ray. First up, it is time for today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. If you look outside, folks, you will see the smoke. We are hoping it will lift very soon. And yesterday, the White House approved wildfire relief for Oregon, declaring a major disaster. That'll free up additional resources to use in firefighting and recovery. Governor Brown made the request for a major disaster declaration on Monday. 24 of Oregon's 36 counties were included in that request. It asked for individual assistance in hardest hit, including Clackamas, Marion, Jackson, and Lane. And for those of us complaining about smoke, and I'm one of them, let us also be grateful we still have homes. Meanwhile, Representative Grade Walden, Oregon's only Republican in the U.S. House, took some credit for urging President Trump to act quickly. Containment has increased for some of Oregon's most destructive blazes, as of yesterday the Beachy Creek Fire, which has destroyed 1,300 structures, was 20% contained. Containment has reached 3% for the vast Riverside Fire in Clackamas County. Some evacuation orders have been lowered this week. By the way, shout out to Libra, whose family had been evacuated from outside Damascus and was staying in our family's place. She and her two daughters were able to go home. And her goodbye on her way home, she kindly said, we're family now. In this historic, challenging time, let us find times to communicate the love we have for our fellow humanity. As we emerge from the smoke, as we emerge from a deadly virus, let's carry with us our connection as human beings. Air quality has gone from hazardous to just very unhealthy in the Portland metro area. And in what would be one of the best pieces of news, the rain we've all been asking for might finally arrive today and tomorrow. In other wildfire news, famed environmentalist George Atia is still missing in Marion County. Atia, is age 72, is the only missing person near the Beachy Creek fire. It has killed four others, completely destroyed his home. He's been missing since September 7th, and search and rescue efforts continue. Atiyah is best known for his campaign to save 20,000 acres of old-growth forest known as the Opal Creek Wilderness. A former timber worker, Atiyah led a two-decade fight to save the forest in which he previously logged. That fight led to a victory in 1996 when Opal Creek became a state park. Your daily dose of coronavirus data. Yesterday, the Health Authority announced 195 new cases of COVID-19 and two new deaths. Oregon's total number of cases is now nearly 30,000, 29,850. Next time we talk, we will almost certainly have cleared 30,000. 521 people are now confirmed dead from COVID-19. Multnomah and Washington counties reported the highest number of cases, 32 and 33, respectively. Marion County, 23 cases. Klamath, 14. Malheur reported 17. Only two new cases in Umatilla County reported cases there have often been disproportionately high. The Health Authority also announced a new wastewater monitoring project. That'll help detect the spread of COVID-19 in smaller communities. For the next 30 months, nearly three years, the Health Authority will conduct weekly wastewater tests in 40 Oregon towns and cities. They hope those tests will allow earlier detection of new outbreaks, give experts a better sense of how COVID-19 is spreading in certain areas. The CDC is funding the project, and much of the work is going to be run by researchers at Oregon State. Portland's housing initiative has hit an unexpected roadblock. Expensive water meters. For five years, the housing crisis in Portland has been the subject of a fierce debate. Lower-income families have found it difficult, if not impossible, to buy affordable housing. Last month, the city council came together and approved a residential infill project, which aims to rezone some of Portland's neighborhoods with denser housing. Almost any plot can now have four units, and now a lot of plots can have six units. Overall, that initiative hopes to add 24,000 new housing units over the next 20 years. A new policy by Commissioner Amanda Fritz, who voted no on that measure, might complicate the development of those new units. Going forward, every, every new housing unit will be required to have its own city water meter. It costs about $8,000 a meter. Currently, many multi-unit residents use a shared city water meter. As Fritz argues, shared meters prevent many low-income families from qualifying for discounts on their water bill. Advocacy groups like the Latino Network have voiced these concerns for years. Fritz also argues that shared meters encourage excessive water use. However, advocates for the housing initiative argue there are cheaper ways to address those issues. And a reminder that Amanda Fritz was the one no vote in the three-to-one vote passing the urban infill multi-unit development thing. Steve Messinetti, the director for Portland's Habitat for Humanity, said the new policy would create, quote, barriers to home ownership, end quote. Fritz has been a vocal opponent of the residential infill project, and critics have been quick to accuse Fritz of using her authority over the Water Bureau to sink that measure. Fritz did say she's, quote, not wedded to doing this. She hopes to discuss cheaper alternatives at the council session in late October. Protester mugshots and personal information shared on Twitter are leading to threats and harassment. Dozens of mugshots and names have been posted by conservative journalist Andy No. He's the editor of a Canadian news site, a frequent guest on Fox News. The mugshots are public records, so posting them on Twitter is legal. He says it's his duty to share the mugshots to his 700,000 followers. He says arrested protesters pose an ongoing risk to the public. However, those posts have led to online harassment and even death threats for many of the protesters' profile. One person subjected to such harassment, Regina Gray, was arrested for disorderly conduct back on August 7th. No posted her mugshot and charges that very day, and she's been getting threatening messages ever since. She also reported a man came to her house days later, armed and asking for her by name. No also shared the mugshot of Philip Wenzel on August 15th. Wenzel was arrested for disorderly conduct and assaulting an officer. However, video of his arrest shows him shielding himself on the ground as police officers apprehended him and tackled other protesters. And along with the photo, Noah included Wenzel's biography, and he posted his employer's website. And that employer, the Elizabeth Christie law firm, got a steady stream of threatening communications, and they fired Wenzel a month later. State Republicans are sharply criticizing Representative Tina Kotek following the arrest of her aide at a Portland protest. September 5th, Christina Narayan was arrested and charged with interfering with a police officer. The Portland police say that Narayan did not follow orders to disperse. Narayan currently serves as a legislative director for the Speaker of the Oregon House, Tina Kotek. She's worked for Kotech since 2016. And this connection has led to a deluge of criticism from state Republicans. Republican State Senator Dennis Linthicum called out Democratic leaders for not condemning those protests and say they'd be alienating their own staff members. State Senator Alan Olson went even further, claiming that Democratic leaders, and I'm quoting, despise the police. Narayan was released shortly after arrest without bail. Her case was dismissed the following day. And for her part, Tina Kotek defended Narayan's right to protest and called for peace and accountability. Narayan said she was not interfering with police actions before her arrest. According to Narayan, she was taking pictures from the sidewalk when the officers arrested her. Some good news. Did we mention that rain may be finally coming to Portland? Forecasters are predicting a 50 percent chance of showers. That's a coin flip, folks. I'll take a coin flip. And those chances increase to 80 percent later tonight. Friday looks similar with occasional showers predicted throughout the day. Unfortunately, that rain is not expected to reach the Riverside Fire southeast of Portland, where firefighters are working tirelessly to contain that spread. But with that rain does come new winds, which are expected to drive the smoke out of Portland. Some smoke, by the way, has officially made it all the way to Europe, and the air quality advisory here remains in effect until the end of the day today. But by tomorrow, we might see the skies above Portland once again. The air quality index top 400 a day, once that index drops below 100, residents are encouraged to open your windows for the first time in what feels like a long, long time. And that's today's quick six local rundown from the quarantine within a quarantine. X-ray. Up next, we have an interview with the number's very own Morgan Jones, as she has a conversation with We Count Oregon representatives Carlos and Ray about this year's 2020 census. Tune in, listen, take some of this information in and apply it. The census is up September 30th. We only got a couple weeks left here.
1: I'm Morgan Jones with the numbers and today we're sitting down with two incredible people from We Count, Oregon. Uh, I'm gonna let you both introduce yourselves Ray, if you would please go first.
2: Yes. Hello. My name is Ray. Like the sun, my pronouns are she, they, queen, and I am the census equity manager at PELF, which is the Portland African American Leadership Forum, and I worked on the We Can Oregon campaign.
1: Thank you, Carlos.
3: Uh, I am Carlos Kareem Wyndham. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I am a founder and a principal at uh, El of Venero Services. And uh, I have been affiliated and working with We Count Oregon Campaign.
1: I'm trying to decide which one to ask. Um, how about Ray, tell us what the census is.
2: Yeah, so the census is a count of all living people in the United States. It's, it's, it's constitutional, so it's your right to be counted. But the thing is, it only happens once every 10 years. So it is critical that we get everyone counted. So it's a count of all living people. Therefore, all living people should get counted. I would also love to hear how Auntie Carlos would define the census.
3: Uh, All right, well, let's see. (laughs) Um, The census is really an opportunity for everyone in the United States to be counted in order to make sure that the resources allocated by the government end up where they need to end up. Uh, part of that means that, uh, and, and one of the reasons I, I was not with the census initially, is that uh, if you read the census carefully, they have been moving in the United States to try to invite as many people and fold as many people into whiteness as they can. And they continue to do so in the census. Indeed. And so if you look at it, you'll find the Latinx uh, Hispano community is invited to declare themselves white. Uh, Native American and indigenous <laughs> folks are, are allowed to call themselves white. The only people who's not white is black because the whole idea of the, of, the, of the white affirmative action program that is America does not work if there is not a blackness for it to balance itself against. Right. right? From which to extract its work, from which to extract its wealth. Mm. And so we are the only ones who cannot be white. But what we can do is ensure that each one of us is counted. Because as we are counted, that means that economically we are resourced. And if we are not, in fact, resourced, at least have a way to hold the government accountable. Mm. So for me, it's an accountability measure more than it is anything else.
2: Yes, I knew it was going to be an amazing response. And Morgan, I do have a percentage for you. Um, For 2020 right now, 68.1% of the state of Oregon has been counted. Wow. That's not nearly enough. So it is better than 2010. So I'll take that small win. And um, right now. What did 2010 look like? That's a great question. I wasn't able to pull it up in time. No, sorry. Um,
3: Less. It looked like less.
2: (laughs) Yes. It looked like less, right? Because we're doing better than 2010. Um, But we would, I mean, obviously for the organization that I work at, we want to make sure that all black folks get counted right. And, um, you know, in uh, the 2010 count of Black folks was worse than in 2000. And so I'm hoping that for 2020, we will see more Black folks being counted.
1: And so, Carlos, you gave us an idea of why you were a little leery of it. Uh, What Mm -hmm. do you hear other people are leery of? Why, Why do Black people not want to be counted?
3: Oh, it's the same situation as for most of us at this point. Right. We're living under a white supremacist, fascist government. Indeed. And so having someone just show up knocking at your door. Right. Um, when we talk about issues of immigration, what we have to remember is the black folks are immigrants, too. Right. And so as you have uh, families of immigrants in homes, the idea of just opening up because somebody with a badge is knocking on your door, this really is not the time. And add to that the evictions Mm -hmm. that have begun to take place Mm -hmm. in, in, in uh, uh, a world full of COVID and Trump's mumps, you know, (laughs) it, it, it just puts us in the world. It puts us in a situation. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, 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 there is a lot of fear involved with it. One of the, one of the good things though, is that, um, Right now, uh, unlike what they are trying to do uh, with our votes in terms of suppression in every way that they can possible, they did not get far enough ahead in terms of their plan for the census. So the first thing that they were able to do, and the only thing really, is to shorten up the time that we have available. So we really only have until the end of the month Mm -hmm. to get the census in. But -hmm. the plus side is that you can do that online. So you ain't got to wait for nobody to knock on your door. And if you do it online, it guarantees that you're not going to have census workers knocking on your door.
1: I took the census online, I feel like months ago. And we
2: appreciate you. Uh, Everyone should take it. It's the easiest thing. I I did it online and it took me less than 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, easily less than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. It was super fast.
2: I do want to speak to why people would be hesitant to take the census and let's acknowledge that, that fear, that fear and mistrust of the government taking your information is so valid and real, especially in the black community. Absolutely. So the first thing I want to say is I hear you. Why, why should you be doing this in a time like this, right? Like 2020 is trash. Everything (laughs) is burning. Why do I need to take 10 minutes out of my day? Right. Um, But here's the thing. We only get one chance every 10 years to get counted and we lose money for every person not counted. So the state of Oregon will lose federal dollars for every person not counted. And that's a big deal in our state because a lot of our budget comes from federal money. Um, But I want to answer three questions real quick, three tough questions. So the first one is what will the government do with my information? Is it safe to take the census? And why does the census matter to me? So what does the government do with our information? They use that data to allocate federal funding. So the number of people counted directly correlates to the amount of funding that we get. And that's for programs that all of us rely on. It's quality of life. It's food stamps, the National School Lunch Program, Medicaid. It's CHIP, Section 8 housing vouchers, foster care. It's roads, hospitals, schools. All of us, without thinking about it, are using census dollars day to day. And so that's why you need to take it. Is it safe to take the census? Yes, it is by law. They cannot share your information with anyone. They cannot share it with welfare agencies. They cannot share it with ICE. They they cannot share it with the police. Um, Anybody that does that can face um, up to five years in prison or a fine of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or both. So these laws are ironclad. Right. And and these laws are there to protect us. That
3: means your landlord ain't going to be trying to mess with that information. Because right. your, your landlord certainly is mm-hmm. not going to be trying to mess with, get into your information about who's staying in your place yes. behind a $250,000 fine. Exactly. Right? That, that don't
2: make no sense. Exactly. And we know if the landlord is not trying to do that, right? So your landlord cannot use your census information against you.
1: And your landlord wouldn't get your census information. Your landlord wouldn't right? get like that like information. Yeah, they wouldn't have it in the first place.
2: Mm-hmm. So. They wouldn't have it in the first place. And if they try to get it, it would be illegal. Okay. Um, and then the last one is why does the census matter to me? So like I mentioned earlier, it's that, it's that impacting the quality of life, right? All of the pro- the programs that I mentioned earlier, but this year's census could also mean another seat in Congress for Oregon, which is political representation. It's a big deal. In yes. 2010, we missed it by such a small margin that if we can do an accurate count this year, we stand a pretty good chance of getting that extra seat, right? Ooh. That's political power. That's representation. That's huge. It's a big deal. Yeah. One and more seat. One more seat. Yes. What? <laughs> I was no, like...
1: Seriously, that... that yes. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. There. I know that people are not hugely political, especially right now when it uh, seems like how can you keep track of so much of it? Um, but this is how we change our Our own local climate, yeah, being able to have more representation federally. Yes, it's
2: exactly humongous, it is humongous, and I love that you say, like, this is how we change our own local climate, right? Like, the state of Oregon could be more, could be better, and it could be more lovable for black communities, right? Yes, when we are accurately counted, we are better positioned to advocate for the critical services that we need and that we deserve. And uh, we, we need, it is our responsibility to, to play a role in that, right? Absolutely. Um, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> You're killing it,
2: though. So it true. It's true. So that, that uh, Oh, a lot of- I remembered. Okay. Um, so those are the tough questions I answered, right? But when the census started, um, enslaved Black folks uh, weren't counted in the same way. There was a time where Black people were counted as three-fifths of a human being. Think about that. Right. A lot of our uh, ancestors, right, Um, weren't fully counted. And now we, you know, through so much, um, they they had to advocate, they had to fight. To, to get Black people to count as one full person. And I think it is now our responsibility to make sure we get counted, you know, not just for the ancestors and the elders. And thank you so much to all of them for doing that work, right? Mm-hmm. But the census is l- literally about the next generation because right. the amount of people we get counted this year, right? That's the federal funding we get for the next 10 years. We don't get to redo it.
1: Right. I think we need to impress upon that, that part. That yeah. this is every 10 years. So mm-hmm. if you haven't heard about it, and you're like, well, what are they going to do with my information? Mm-hmm. And you're scared of it. I'm totally fully valid yes. and understandable, but this, it, you wouldn't have heard of it, right? Like <laughs> if you were 10 when the last census happened, you didn't pay any attention to it. So yeah, when you're right. 20, now maybe you need to learn about it a little bit. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So how do indigenous people get counted?
2: That is a great question. Um, indigenous folks also fall under this hard-to-count category, right? Which is so annoying that in the year of our law 2020, we still have <laughs> populations that are hard to count, right? So the We Count Oregon campaign, we expressly set to count, out, to count those populations. Great. So it was a coalition, a group of organizations working in those communities already to make sure folks get counted, right? And so a lot of it is someone going... Um, onto reservations, right? Um, But all of the organizations that were part of the coalition, um, we did phone banking campaigns where we would call people from our communities to make sure that they take the census. Um, And I wouldn't be able to speak too specifically to um, how Native folks get counted, but I know it is a little bit different. And unfortunately, they are also heavily undercounted.
1: I was wondering if that was still an issue of just not Very much being so, connected. yes. And I mean, uh, who would uh, <laughs> distrust the government more than Black and Indigenous people? For so sure. It makes a whole lot of sense that yeah. they um, stay away. But I, I do understand that they would benefit from that money as well, right?
2: That- yeah, for, for, for every Oregonian that doesn't get counted, we lose $46,000. one more time (laughs) for every Oregonian that doesn't get counted this year we lose $46,000 because it's funding for the next 10 years right that is wild (laughs) (laughs) we and and we also
1: my reaction because I want to be like what
2: yes yes and we 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 deserve we deserve um, political representation. We deserve that that extra seat in Congress. Absolutely. Yes, it's it's overdue and it's much deserved. And, you know, in the in the age of Miss Rona, it's so easy for us to feel powerless when it comes to so many things. Right, right. One of the things that you still have the power to do is to take the census. And this year, there they are more markers for race and eth- ethnicity, and you get to self-select those, right? That's powerful. I, I think the census is also a way for, it's for us to show visibility, right? We all know that there's this narrative that Oregon is so white, Oregon is so white, right? But you and everybody here, like we know that that's simply not true. We Obviously, know that they, they are. Listen, like we've been here. Right. We've been here. Okay. We are here. We love you. We love you. We thrive here, and it's time for us to to show to show them that we are. And census data helps us to do that. And census we could data more. Yes. If we're
1: counted in the census.
2: Exactly. And we deserve it. Absolutely, we deserve
3: it. And if we count ourselves appropriately, right? So that means that as we're counting folks, we're not just counting ourselves, right? Because you're counting mm-hmm. for your household. So yes, right? that means your household. That means everybody mm-hmm. in your household. The children count. Is yes. there a child on the way? Who is in womb right now? That person count. Is there somebody on your couch today? I don't care if they're leaving tomorrow. Do the census today. If they're there today, they mm-hmm. count.
2: Yes, you know what I'm saying.
3: They yes. count. And it is so easy. I mean, it's so simple. All you got to do is go over to my 2020 censusgovernor mm-hmm. and take your little five minutes and you're going to get counted too, Right. They try to undercount us. They try to upper, underrepresent us. How 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 Oregon is white? How Portland is white?
2: How how where where how and, and how is Listen. the state still standing? If it is so white? Right. <laughs> I mean, for me, I love to prove people wrong and they are, they are some think tanks that are expecting the worst undercount in 30 years for the black community. Right. Like they are expecting us to not get counted. And I'm like, no, let's show them that we will get counted. Right. Right. And you need to count everybody living with you. Right. If yeah. you have um, a family member that's housing insecure at the moment, but they're sleeping on your couch, count them. Yes. They they count. Because, yeah, they count. They are living there. Right. Count the kids. Black kids are historically undercounted. Right. But they they rely on so much of, their, of the of that money. Right. Right. It's our responsibility as the older folks to make sure that our kids get counted. They deserve it.
1: I want them to continue to be able to have lunch at school. Wouldn't uh, that be great? That'd be great. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean
3: And to just... be able to continue to have those free breakfasts that are a program yes. that mm-hmm. was started and nationalized based on the work of the Black Panther Party. Talk to them. Let's Carlisle. be honest. Come on. Yes. Now. Talk to them. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: This, yes.
3: Comes from, this comes from a place. This comes from a place. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Absolutely. And <laughs> It doesn't come from a place of whiteness. Right. So when you have this kind of community and you are able to make it uh, become something that is a government program, Mm -hmm. that is something to be celebrated, Mm -hmm. number one. But again, we need to continue to reap the benefit from that. For so, sure. It's there.
2: It's there. Yeah, Absolutely. and right. and you know, speaking about community and community care, we all know no one no one does community care like black people, right? Right. And and I know right Great. now in <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mutual aid like we invented it. Ooh. But, you know, COVID is hard and COVID makes you feel isolated from community. And sometimes you feel like you're not really showing up for your community the way that you want to, right? Taking the census is a way to do that. Taking the census is a way um, to show community care because those are federal dollars that will go to people in your community. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes.
3: Thank you so much, Morgan.
0: Thanks to Morgan, Carlos, and Ray for joining The Local, and thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown in under 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for subscribing and giving your five-star review, telling a friend, saying all kinds of nice things, and being nice to your neighbors, and being one of those wonderful people doing beautiful things. And thank you, democracy. Talk to you tomorrow.
1: X-Ray.